Hello, everyone, and welcome to Exploring Middle Earth. Nice. Yes. This is Jay. Applause. We live for the applause. Yeah, this is Jay speaking. Um, <laughs> the past few episodes, Grant's in the intro, so this is a, this is a new thing for me. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, so uh, welcome to the podcast. We're talking about Tolkien today, specifically um, Bree and uh what it was like before what it was like after you're going yeah. first right with yeah we're talking about brie but then also other just like some other places that were nearby or like kind of i guess are just a part of Ariador as a whole yeah i don't know there's not like a main theme other than brie i guess is the main theme of it but then there's like just a few other like things like little histories um it's just a fun yeah. episode i don't know it's just kind of all over the place but it's kind of fun so enjoy yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm gonna be starting off with the history of no! Ereg- oh, wait, yeah, crazy with the history of Eregion, which is a Elvish realm, mm-hmm. um, because that kind of goes back, um, not necessarily the furthest, but um, we'll get into it in a moment. Yeah, well, let's get excited, dude. But I, I guess what I wanted to say is it uh goes away the soonest, as in like. Between the time when it was founded and when it, it ended. had the shortest lifespan, yeah, pretty okay. much, yeah, yeah. So by the time like Lord of the Rings comes around, it's like ancient history, sort of. Yeah. Um. So I am gonna start off by reading a passage. Nice. Um. So get excited for that one, everybody. Yeah. Woohoo! This is a uh, that's a long applause. Yeah. Well, if, after I hit it, I can't stop it. Oh. <laughs> Unless I hit a different one. I can't stop. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I <did> that one. <laughs> nice. This is from the Silmarillion, um, the uh, of Rings of Power of the Rings of Power and the Third Age uh, section in the at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just this one paragraph that I want to read. It's a long paragraph, but I'm going to read it. Others of the Eldar there were who crossed the mountains of Arid Luin in that age and passed into the inner lands. Many of these were Teleri, survivors of Doriath and of Osirian. And they established realms among the sylvan elves in woods and mountains far from the sea, for which nonetheless they ever yearned in their hearts. Only in a region, which men called Holland, did elves of Noldoran race establish a lasting realm beyond the arid Luin. A region was nigh to the great mansions of the dwarves that were named Khazad-dûm, but by the elves Hathadrand, and afterwards Moria. From Austin Ethil, the city of the elves, the high road ran to the west gate of Khazad-dûm, for a friendship arose between the dwarves and elves, such as never elsewhere had been, to the enrichment of both of these peoples. In Eregion, the craftsmen of the Gwaith-e Myrdain, the people of the jewelsmiths, surpassed in cunning all that have ever wrought, save only Feanor himself, and indeed greatest in skill among them was Celebrimbor, son of Corifin, who was estranged from his father and remained in Nargothrond when Celegorm and Corifin were driven forth, as is told in the Quenta Silmarillion. So interesting, dude. yeah. So that's like kind of the history of the Silmarillion. Who the Silmarillion? Or <laughs> sorry, <laughs> who the, the Silmarillion is. Uh, that's the history of uh, Aragion, mm-hmm. and who Aragion was founded by. But I'll, I'll get a little into a little bit more here. Um, yeah, so Aragion was a realm of the Noldor. It said it's the only lasting realm of the Noldor East of the Arid Luin, and you might think, well, wasn't Linden uh, a realm of the Noldor? But they said east of the Arid Luin. Technically, most of Linden was west of the Arid Luin, except for the Grey Haven, so that's yes. why. Um, other than that, Linden, yes. Swing! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, other than yeah. that. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so it was founded um, in 750 of the uh, Second Age. Um, and then that's also the time that their city, Ost in Ethil, uh, was founded as well. And um, it, yeah, it was found uh, pretty much west of Khazad-dum, uh, near to the confluence of the Siranen, which is the gate stream, which fl- flowed out of the uh, um, Moria, and the Grey Flood River. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so it was founded by Celebrimbor. He was their lord. He was the ruler. He wasn't a king, but he was a lord because he was one of the great Noldor of the uh, house of Feanor. Yeah. Grandson of Feanor, pretty much, actually. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're hitting the wrong one. And, uh, and uh, he, so he led a great following of Noldor uh, from Linden to that place um, in 750. And uh, actually, some sources do say, or like some of the older writings, or maybe it was the newer ones. Tolkien later on in life, he, he had like a hard time deciding what like actually he wanted as fact between like uh what i'm about to say um that was a fun fact yeah thank you (laughs) uh but uh, anyways tolkien later in life for a lot of different like stories he had a hard time deciding like if he wanted to change it or not so uh, there's a lot of different i guess uh ways you could look at this but by one account galadriel and celeborn were the first ones to found eregion um and then celebrimbor would have arrived shortly later but um, but we're just going with Celebrimbor founded it. Um, yeah, so it lay in southeastern uh, Eriador between the Misty Mountains of Moria. I kind of already said that. And it was called Holland, like I mentioned in the passage, by the men um, of the local tribes and villages Dudes. because uh, of the significant amount of holly trees that grew there. Um, so that's why it was called Holland. Oh, interesting. H-O-L-L-I-N, not Holland, like Holland, Netherlands, or Holland, Michigan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where we're fact. from, huh? we're not we're not from Holland. No! But we're, from, <laughs> we're from the area, the area door. Yeah. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, and yeah, uh, like I said in the passage, the elves of Region enjoyed frequent trade with Durin's folk in Khazad-dûm, notably the trade of Mithril and other precious metals and jewels, which formed the base of Region's wealth and skills. Swing. Mithril. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should get a ching sound. Cha-ching. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, Celebrimbor. Um, was the son of Corifin mm-hmm. and a grandson of Feanor, like I said, and Good was guy. himself a very great craftsman and smith. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that was his last name. Yeah! Um, and he desired to surpass his father and grandfather in skill. Um, and although he was a member of the House of Feanor, uh, I don't think it mentioned that he took the oath of Feanor in the first age, which would have bound him to the um, the Silmarils basically. Yeah. Um, so I think he's free from that pretty much. And he was genuine, generally a nicer guy than his father or grandfather. Yeah. We have, uh, episodes on this, don't we? Yeah. The we sons of Feanor. We do have an episode on the sons of Feanor, which would include Corifin. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're interested in this, go check it out. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's from like, uh, like October or something like that. Yeah. Of 2022. Good episode. Yeah, It was a good episode. I like those episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and then he also founded within Aragion the Gwaith e Myrdine, which meant the people of the jewelsmiths, and their skill was the greatest among elves since the time of Feanor. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, in 1200 of the Second Age, a fair being named Anatar came to Aragion into the Gwaith e Myrdine and, intru- <laughs> and introduced himself as a pupil and servant of Aule. Yeah. Um, he offered his skill and knowledge of smithing, which was indeed great, mm-hmm. to the Noldor of Eregion, who gladly took it. 
Um, however, some other elves, notably Gilgalad, Elrond, and Galadriel and Celeborn, refused his help because they saw that he was not what he seemed. Um, but the Noldor of Eregion that did accept his help, um, it increased their skill because it was actually good advice, but their works were slowly corrupted and Anatar used his influence for a greater evil. Yeah. Um, and then about about 400 years later, so in 1590, the great rings of power were made with the help of Anatar and were bound to his will. After, <laughs> afterwards, Anatar left for Mordor because he was actually Sauron. Oh, no. And he forged the one ring which bound all others to it. What he didn't know was that the elves also forged three more rings unbound to Sauron and made in secret. Wow, dude. <laughs> and he hated these ones the most. Um, yeah. because his desire mostly was to try and get back at the elves because that's what his master, Morgoth, could not do. Um, yeah. But at last, because of the discovery of the forging of the One Ring, the elves knew they were betrayed. In 1693, the three elven rings were given away for safekeeping. Nenya was given to Galadriel and Lothlorien, Vilya was given to Gilgalad and Linden, and Narya to Círdan at the Grey Havens. Um <clears throat> Then a, few, the ship right. yeah, yeah. then a few years later, uh, Sauron made war uh, on Eregion to take the rings of power for himself and to control those who wore them. He laid waste to Eregion and Austin Ethil and killed Celebrimbor and put his body on a spear as a banner against the wow, elves. Wow, dude. Yeah, pretty gruesome. <laughs> not a good move, dude. Yeah. However, the Noldor of Eregion were not alone, and much help came from Linden, led by Elrond Half-Elven. The dwarves of Moria also came from their mansions to deter Sauron from overrunning all of Eriador, and in the end, they were successful, but at a large cost, and Sauron was forced back to Mordor, but Eregion was in ruins. The majority of the Noldor of Eregion went north with Elrond into the newfound Rivendell, while some likely returned to Linden and then west over the seas. And the fact that the men still call this region Holland, even thousands of years later, by the time of Lord of the Rings, um, suggests that some knowledge of the ruins of Eregion still remains intact in Bree and the other villages, which is why I wanted to bring up Eregion, or wanted to include Eregion in the... Um, episode about Brie just because it's like it's got this like really rich history of and with the rings of power and the elves and you know it's like the last realm of the Noldor and it's Feanor's grandson and it's like all these jewel smiths and stuff and it's like really like a really cool place but then yeah and then by the time of the Lord of the Rings it's just nothing yeah Yeah. it's just uh it's just ruins and uh old holly trees. That's the kind of stuff you miss by not diving into the Silmarillion. Yeah. Got to do it, you, guys. You only get like a little snippet here and there in like yeah. the Lord of the Rings where they just Just the tip, dude. Yeah. <laughs> they just mention it in the in the Fellowship of the Ring, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, they uh there's a lot more you can dig into like in Unfinished Tales as well. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit about that. That's also where um it talks about Celeborn and Galadriel being in Eregion. It's fun fact. Yeah, so uh, that's all I've got on Eregion. I mean, we could go even more into detail Deeper. with that one, but I think as as of right now, that'll be all the history we need. And it, we've covered, we've yeah. talked about Eregion plenty of times before mm-hmm. when we talked about Rivendell because it has to do with that, when we've talked about the Rings of Power. So there's uh, plenty of episodes of us talking about Eregion. Yeah, you so. guys should know this yeah. already. <laughs> so I, th- I don't, I don't think we really need to go into super, yes, yeah, the super, super details. Detail. So uh, with that, I will be passing this off to Jay. Jay's going to be talking about Tharbad, which is another ruin in yeah, Eriador. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm back. Um, 
just you to, left uh no maybe you, you right <laughs> just to preface this there's some long names in here and usually i ask grant before the episode and i write it down phonetically yeah uh, but i didn't so wow dude yeah so you're gonna get some yeah. bad pronunciations okay which is part of the charm of the podcast <laughs> You know how to not pronounce things. There's no exploring Middle Earth without Jay messing up a yeah. few names. Yeah. So, welcome to the history of Tharbad and the Greyfold. So, th- what was Tharbad? Tharbad was a Ford and not a truck. Um, <laughs> it was a shallow... Uh, Did you write that down? <laughs> no. <laughs> no! I thought that was like scripted. <laughs> no. Uh, Ford is a shallow place in a river or stream that allows uh, one to walk or drive across. So, it's just like a... it's kind of like a land bridge but there's still um there's still water o- yeah. flowing over it. Yeah. Um and that was along the banks of the Guathlo which is the Greyfold, the name of the Greyfold. So this is uh a snippet from the unfinished tales. Um the land was almost flat and the waters became sluggish tending to spread into Fenland. Fenland, not Finland. Finland. Don't get it mixed up, dude. No. Don't get it mixed up. Above Tharbad the river was forked with both branches having converged out or from out of the network of swamps. <laughs> I just realized when we both said Finland, oh. Finn, <laughs> Finn raised her ears because she thought we were talking about her. Sorry, sorry, sorry Finn. Finn. We're not talking about you. Yeah. Lay back down. Yeah. So b- with both branches having converged out on out of a network of swamps, pools, and yachts where the only inhabitants were hosts of swans and many other water birds. Very Grant nice. likes water birds. Yeah. Schwing! Grant likes all <laughs> birds. Yep. Do you like ever do you, are there any birds you don't like? Uh Yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah. Uh it's <laughs> mostly it's mostly um house sparrows and european starlings. Oh. If they're in Europe, be, were they native? It's yeah, fine. Come on, dude. But they're in America, they're very invasive and they take over wild bird populations very easily and there's just millions and millions of them and honestly that's the shakespeare bird right uh what one the star starlings yeah yeah um and i'm not saying i'm encouraging it but i'm also not saying i'm not encouraging it but if you see a house sparrow or a european starling um don't hesitate or do hesitate to end its life Wow, dude! Um, but that's all—that's all alleged. I wasn't actually telling you that. Um, I'm getting a lot of use out of this "Wow, dude" button. Yeah, We've that's been a lot that was a—that was just a quote I was reading. Um, I forgot what this one is. And that's oh, nothing. It's all alleged. But and and make sure this is also part of the quote. And make sure you identify the right bird before ending its life. Um, um, but I'm okay with that. But I'll, at the same time, I'm not because that was just a quote. So. Yeah, don't kill any birds yeah. on our account, please. Yeah. So the well, I mean, you don't have access to our account, but just don't kill any <laughs> birds. <laughs> yeah, do it on your own account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Guathlo was a river in Eriador. Um, so this is the river that flowed over the uh, the ford of Tharbad. Yeah. Um, she bad Tharbad. Yeah, dude. Swing. So the Guathlo uh, flowed through an immense forest which covered. Minhirath. Yeah, Minhirath. Minhirath. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty that close. That was close, yeah. dude. Pretty good. Here comes the names, dude. Though, but the <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, to the north in the Endenwaith. Endenwaith. Not pr- not far off either. Endenwaith. Endenwaith. Yeah. 
to the south. It was one of the few rivers giving the Adunic name Agathurush. I don't know what name you're looking at. Agathurush. That's how it looks. Oh, it's like a Numenorean name, though. Adunaic. Yeah. Yeah. So the Guathlo was wide enough that it could be sailed on all the way to where it's tributary. To its tributary. <laughs> Sorry, dude. No! The tributary, the Glanduin. Uh, and it, that's where it met the river. Because yeah. that's what a tributary is. Right, right, right. Uh, so it was formed where the Horwell met the Glanduin uh, at the marshy, uh, marshy area, which was known as the Swan Fleet. Um, so it's just like a swamp called the Swan Fleet. Yeah. Because if you remember from my earlier thing, uh, the only inhabitants were hosts of swans and many other water birds. Swans, Swan dude, fleet. swans. So it flowed through the Tharbad and continued southwest until it emptied into the Sundering Seas. Uh, when exp- when explorers adve- or ventured up the river on small boats, they found huge trees overshadowing the water. So think nice. of like, like the redwoods, big old trees. So they named it Gwath here, which means Shadow River. Then it became Gwathir. However, later when the Numenorians moved further up the river, they found great fens, uh, which they called the Swan Fleet, which I already mentioned. Yeah. Uh, mistakenly believing that the fens were the source of the river, they changed the name of the waterway to the Gwath Low, uh, which Low, because Gwath means shadow, so Low means uh, Fenland, so the new name meant Shadowy River of the Fens. Shadowy River from the Fens, sorry. Yeah. Shadowy River from the Fens. So it was a shadow river a shadowy river from the fence, but that one's wrong. It's just a shadow river. Um, and so then, more specifically on the Swan Fleet, it was a marshy area in eastern Eriador, uh, and it eventually made its way down to the northern part of Eregion just by... It's it's not like it can't... It doesn't have a conscience. It's like, I'm going to yeah. get up and walk. It just made its way down, you know? Yeah, Erosion right. and stuff, you know? Science. Yeah! Um... <laughs> Yeah. So voyages were made by uh, explorers of Numenor in ships, uh, and they journeyed not huge ships, smaller ships, because it was a river, not yeah. an ocean. Um, Just like little fishing boat kind of thing. Yeah. Or long boats. So th- uh, early on, it they weren't as frequent, but um, once they started logging it, um, it became a uh, um, the main timber river, um, which uh, so. They they increased and they constructed the Numenorians constructed a small harbor at the river's estuary to exploit the local timber, Vigne Alonde, the New yeah, Haven. Yeah, Vignalande. Vignalande, the New Haven. Um so over time they uh they over uh used the resources. Wow and they dude. cut down too many trees. So Man. um they uh that's how. That's part of the reason how the uh, marsh area came down because they were taking trees out, um, and the, they just took too many trees. They dug too deep and too greedily. So this is also during the time of the War of the Elves and Sauron, um, and so despite overrunning all of Eridor in the war, um, Sauron's armies had eventually been forced back uh, to the river Guathlo. Uh, where they were held, and then Tharbad became the site of the Battle of the Gwathlo, um, which the Battle of the Gwathlo was the final battle in the War of the Elves and Sauron, uh, and it was fought between the forces of Sauron and combined forces of Gilgalad and the Minas Tirith, or and Minas Tirith, not the Minas Tirith, 
and it ended in defeat of the Dark Lord, forcing him to retreat to Mordor. We have episodes on that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have specifically on that, but we have episodes where we talk about that. Uh, so Tharbad is not mentioned sur- in surviving records for more than 1,500 years after the war. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the whole region was lar- largely ignored by the elves and the Numenorians following the destruction of Eregion in the forest. Uh, they were continually continued and continued hostility of surviving natives. So it just became like a wasteland kind of. Yeah, but like a natural wasteland. It wasn't like don't think of like post-apocalyptic wastelands. It was just they there's a battle there and they took too many trees down, you know, it's not a good time, dude. And you know how Tolkien feels about trees being cut down. That's right. From our last episode. Um so the site of the ford became uh very important after the founding of Gondor in Arnor in the second age 3320. Um, and saw extensive development. So construction was started to drain the ford and build a dike uh, to make uh, Watch your profanity. to make a great port on the <laughs> a <site>. dike. <laughs> Watch your profanity. <laughs> to make a site where uh, uh, or to make a port on the site where Tharbad stood. Mm-hmm. So the ford was deepened to receive uh, seagoing vessels. Swing. Uh, and the massive fenlands above it were extensively drained until a much smaller swan fleet was all that remained. So the swan fleet had to go back up. Yeah. Get out of there, dude. So Tharbad's new river port uh, was spanned by a bridge, the immense labor, and the immense labor, which was shared by the North and the South Kingdoms and included a forfeited town in, or fortified, not forfeited. They still (laughs) had the town. Fortified town in Haven about the great bridge over the Greyfold. Uh, so these fortifications around the town were raised uh, there on great earthworks of both sides on both sides of the river and the great south road which was built at the same time to connect the two nations passed across the bridge um, you can look up pictures of the bridge it's pretty cool Swing. <laughs> it's a really big bridge uh, so it is probable that Tharbad became part of the kingdom of Arnor in second age 3320 because after the establishment of the kingdoms of Arnor and Gondor the Enidwaith, uh belonged to neither of those two kingdoms, and the Guathlo was at the eastern border of Arnor and the Aizen in the western border of Gondor. Yeah. Yeah! So that nice. closes out the second age. I'm going to move on to the third age. Oh, yeah. Um, so even though all this, uh, all that war and the deforestation and stuff and the rebuilding went through, some things did not change. Uh, at Tharbad, uh, because it was the only settlement of Numenorians in the Endenwaith, uh, because because the area beyond the forfeited town was of little concern to them except for the patrolling and keep upkeep of the Great Royal Road. Um, but it became a garrison of soldiers, mariners, and engineers, um, and they were there until the 17th century of the Third Age. <coughs> so. From about third age, eleven fifty, it uh, it is instantly recorded that the tribe of hob a tribe of hobbits migrated to the fens above the Tharbad, um, and spread onto the land along the causeway, the southeast of the town for several centuries. But they left around uh sixteen thirty, dude. Swing. Hey. Yeah. So the hobbits are showing up. Other uh, departure and deterioration. Their departure and the deterioration in weather occurred almost at the same time as the Great Plague. We've talked, I think we've talked about the Great Plague, um, or just mentioned it. 
Um, but it almost completely wiped out the remaining population. Um, and the few surviving Dunedain died out during this time. Dang, man. Gondor was... Uh, wasn't wow, dude! <laughs> yeah. Boo to the Great Plague. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the few surviving Dunedain died, Dunedain died out. Dunedain died out. Dunedain died out. Schwing! I don't know why that was a swing moment. I don't know, man. But it was. Uh, Gondor was too devastated. In the years following the plague, the garrisons were withdrawn, and the traffic along the road throughout Tharbad declined considerably, um, as many parts of Eridor had become desolate. Um, and this, so the survivors of the Great Plague did remain in Tharbad, however, and the road through it continued to be a significant trade route for another 350 years. Oh. Uh, until the fall of the Arthedane. No! Uh, in Third Age, 1974. Tharbad was still inhabited for another 862 years, despite the absence of any sort of central government. So, they, uh, you know, they were able to run themselves. Yeah. They don't need no king or queen. That's right. Um, uh, so, um, the Greenway, or during this period... Uh, the decrepit remains of the Great South Road above Tharbad became known as the Greenway, which I'll talk about later towards the end of this episode. Um, whilst Tharbad itself was finally ruined and deserted uh, in Third Age 2912, uh, when great floods uh, devastated it following the fell winter. Um, and others occasionally crossed the fort at their peril, including the Ring Race, the Servants and Spies of Sauron, as well as the Grey Company who saw Aragorn. Aragorn yeah. and Rohan Rohan in uh, Third Age 3019. That's all I have. But the reason I said Aragorn uh, is because I just watched the movie, so I kept oh, hearing Aragorn. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's it for um, Tharbad and the Greyfold. It's just like an interesting snippet of history yeah. within um, that will lead up to Bree. But I think it's interesting how this is another example of if you don't read the Silmarillion, what you'd miss completely. Yeah, because I think also in The Lord of the Rings it mentions Tharbad and how some of the rangers are down at Tharbad or something like that. Or like Boromir yeah. passes through Tharbad, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and so that's basically all it mentions. But yeah, the Silmarillion and uh, Unfinished Tales especially goes really deep into that stuff. And, and it even goes deep into... Um, why it was named uh, the Grey Flood or Gwathlo, like yeah. Jay was talking about. I guess we didn't start out this episode trying to convince you to read the Silmarillion, but you have to read it now. Yeah, now we're convincing now you. Now we're so. convincing yeah. you. So go do it. Yeah, so, yep. <laughs> so right, uh, right now we're going to take a little ad. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot. Uh, social media uh, plug. So. Yeah, so we're going to do that real quick, and then we'll be back with Bree. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle__earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. All right, everybody, welcome back. Thank you for listening to our little social media ad. Um, or 
Or if you skipped, thank you for skipping to the right part. Wow, um, dude. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about Brie now, the main focus of the episode. This, the, the second half of this episode is focused on Brie, baby. Focused. Um, yeah, so right now, as always, I'm going to talk about the geography and etymology. Those are like my favorite subjects. That's what Grant so does, dude. That's what I do. Swing! Yeah. So I'm going to read. I've got another passage. Uh, it's from Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so I've got my big old Lord of the Rings. This is the very first part of the chapter at the sign of the Prancing Pony. Oh, nice. Chapter f- nine is what it is. Bree was the chief village of the Bree land. Creative. Nice. <laughs> A small inhabited region like an island in the empty lands around about. Besides Bree itself, there was Staddle on the other side of the hill, Combe in a deep valley a little further eastward, and Archet on the side on the edge of the Chetwood. Um, I don't know if that's pronounced Arquette or Chetwood, but I'm just hey, going to say Chet. Don't ask me, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lying around Bree Hill and the villages was a small country of fields and tamed woodland only a few miles broad. The men of Bree were brown-haired, broad, and rather short. Cheerful and independent, they belonged to nobody but themselves, but they were more friendly and familiar with hobbits, dwarves, elves, and other inhabitants of the world. <laughs> Started for a second. Um, uh, yeah, other inhabitants of the world about them than was or is usual with big people. According to their own tales, they were the original inhabitants and were the descendants of the first men that ever wandered into the west of the Middle Earth. And yeah, of the Middle World, not Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my gosh, just flipping pages. Um, Few had survived the turmoils of the elder days, but when the kings returned again over the great sea, they had found the Bree men still there, and they were still there were still there now, uh, when the memory of the old kings had faded into the grass. In those days, no other men had settled dwellings so far west or within a hundred leagues of the Shire, but in the wild lands beyond Bree, there were mysterious wanderers. The Bree folk called them rangers and knew nothing of their origin. They were taller and darker than the men of Bree and were believed to have strange powers of sight and hearing and to understand the languages of beasts and birds. They roamed at will southwards and eastwards even as far as the Misty Mountains, but they were now few and rarely seen. When they appeared, they brought news from afar and told strange forgotten tales which were eagerly listened to, but the Bree folk did not make friends with them. There were also many families of hobbits in the Bree land. They claimed to be the oldest settlement of hobbits in the world, one that was founded long before even the Brandywine was crossed and the Shire colonized. They lived mostly in Staddle, though there were some in Bree itself, especially on the higher slopes of the hill, above the houses of the men. The big folk and the little folk, as they called one another, were on friendly terms, minding their own affairs in their own ways, but both rightly regarding themselves as necessary parts of the Bree folk. Nowhere else in the world was this peculiar but excellent arrangement to be found. The Bree folk, big and little, did not themselves travel much, and the affairs of the four villages were their chief concern. Occasionally the hobbits of Bree went as far as Buckland, or the East Farthing, but though their little land was not much further than a day's riding east of the Brandywine Bridge, the hobbits of the Shire now seldom visited it. An occasional Bucklander or adventurous took would come out of the inn to the inn for a night or two, but even that was becoming less and less usual. The Shire Hobbits referred to those of Bree and to any others that lived beyond the borders as outsiders and took very little interest in them, considering them dull and uncouth. There were probably many more outsiders scattered about in the west of the world in those days than the people of the Shire imagined. Some, doubtless, were no better than tramps, ready to dig a hole in any bank and stay only as long as it suited them. 
but in the Breland, at any rate, the hobbits were decent and prosperous, and no more rustic than most of their distant relatives inside. It was not yet forgotten that there had been a time when there was much coming and going between the Shire and Bree. There was Bree blood in the Brandy Bucks, by all accounts. So, Dang. That's uh, in short or in long, depending on how you want to look at that. Uh, a good description of Bree. Its I inhabitants, um, where it was, and all that sort of yeah! stuff. Yeah, thank you. Good, yeah, thank good you. description. Yeah, so just to just to recap all that, guys. Okay. Um, yeah, so Bree Village was built on the western slopes of Bree Hill. Everything was named after Bree, basically. And uh, extended outwards into small farms. Uh, yeah, so Bree Hill was the chief hill of that land, a large, rounded offshoot of the South Downs and the Weather Hills. Um, in terms of placement, it is southwest of Weathertop, east of the Old Forest and the Barrow Downs, north of the South Downs, and south of the ruins of Fornost and west of Rivendell. There were many small wooded valleys in Breeland, the largest of which was Chetwood, uh, but the majority of the land was used for small farms and was mainly grasslands. Uh, and I mentioned uh, this already. Bree consisted of mostly men, the big folk who lived in the lower districts, and swing. Um, and then the <laughs> hobbits, the little folk, uh, and they coexisted within Bree and Staddle. Coexist. Um, apart from Bree, um, I already mentioned these. Oh yeah, apart from Bree, which was the largest and said to have one hundred stone houses of men. Wow. There were other little villages in Breeland and even upon Bree Hill. The, these are Staddle on the southeastern slopes of Bree Hill. I already mentioned where they were. Um, on the southern slopes, pipeweed grew really well and was cultivated by the hobbits and Staddle. Um, and I, I can't remember what it's called. There's like a certain like a strand of pipeweed that the hobbits grew in Staddle that was also very popular in the Shire. Oh, um, I think I have the written down. Maybe I do. Yeah, well, you can say it if you have Is it. Is it to- or a old uh, long bottom leaf or something? Yeah, it's... I think so. Let me see. Yeah, I think it was something... Well, we don't have to get into it now. We'll figure it out at some point, dude. We'll figure it out at some point. Where did I just was reading it through hey, my notes. Hey, it's okay. That's okay. I'm also looking it up. Yeah, I guess I don't have it specifically. I just have a pipe weed. Yeah, hold on. I might be able to find it real quick. Um... No, I thought I was going to be able to find it fast, but I can't. So, so we'll just move on from it. Um, anyway, so uh, we'll get into the naming of it a little bit. The name Bree, B-R-E-E. That spells Bree, BreeCreditReport.com, yeah. <laughs> baby. Is an English place name from the Welsh word for hill. Uh, Tolkien also used the name Brill at one point, B-R-I-L-L. Um, combining the Celtic word Bree for hill with the English word hill in the way that Chetwood is the Celtic word for wood and English wood. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in a letter to Dick Plotz Whoa. in 1965, what a name that is. Imagine having that Watch name. Your profanity. Yeah. My name is Dick Plotz Dick with Plotz. a Z at the end. That's awesome. Wait, really? Yeah. P-L-O-T-Z. Dick wow. Plotz. Uh, Tolkien expresses that he wished um, to devise new place names and find a place for them on the map around Breland, possibly meaning that Breland consisted of more villages than the four we know of. So there was probably, yeah, many other little farming villages. 
Um, and then now I'm going to move on into the more of the history side. Of Let's it. go. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? That was a bark. <laughs> oh, okay. That was weird, though. Okay. It sounded like I hicked up. Hicked up. Hicked up. <laughs> sounded like um, I hicked up. I don't think I have a passage for this one, so I'm just going to read what I have in my notes. Read. Um, according to the folk of Breland, the... Um, the Bree men or the men of Bree had settled there since the elder days, since the Edine moved over to the west. Um, and they are apparently of the stack of the pre Numenorean houses of the Edine. So you got the House of Haleth. Um, uh, there was the House of Hador and the House of uh, Beor, the old. Um, those were the houses of the Edine. So they were related to them. Um, and they're also closely related to the Dunlendings. Uh, during the early years of man, they had expanded in population and some went south to the White Mountains, which those become mountain folk of Gondor and the Dunlendings, which is why they're related, and some went north to the Barrow Downs and Eriador, from which come the Brelanders we know. Um, they were somewhat affected by the wars of Beleriand in the First Age, but nothing really came over into Eriador, and they survived into the Second Age and continued to live into Breland. And when the Numenorians under Tar Eldarion who was, I think, like the fourth or fifth king of Numenor, uh, when they began to return to Middle-earth and establish ports and a logging industry, like Jay was talking about, yes, sir. the Brelanders at first learned much from the Numenorians and even revered them as the tall sea kings. Um, Swing! Yeah, and eventually, as the Numenorian kings became greedy and power-hungry, logging all the forests, taking, uh, like, uh, imposing... <laughs> Imposing uh, taxes on the Brelanders um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, Yeah, so the Brelanders started to kind of retreat more into their own land. They were a little more spread out at that point. but Mm -hmm. um, And it was also around the time of the Numenorean occupation when the Numenorians actually started living in Eridor. um, And that was close to the fall of Numenor itself. Um, the Brelanders began to speak and develop Adunayic, which is the Numenorean language, into something they could use, thus forming Westron with the Numenorians, now known as the Common Tongue, or just English. Um, yes. In 3320 of the Second Age, when Numenor had sunk beneath the waves, Breland became a part of the Kingdom of Arnor under Elendil, and they accepted him as king. And then that's when it gets into the Third Age, and that is not my place to say. That is Jay's place to say. Yes. Go ahead. Well, hey everyone, welcome to Third Age of Bree. Hey. Yeah. Okay, so Third Age Bree. Grant, you did a good job on that. Thank. Very informative. Thank. Thank, dude. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah! Okay, so around Third Age 1300, uh, many hobbits started to migrate westward from eastern Eriador, and many settled in Bree. And then Third Age, 1601, many hobbits left Bree and went westward. Yeah, hold on. further. Huh? <laughs> South Lynch. That's the name of the pipeweed that was grown. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was grown on Bree Hill. South, South Lynch. Lynch. I found it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks for the fun fact. Um, so, yeah, so then uh, in about 300, actually 299 years later, uh, many hobbits left Bree and went even further west beyond the river Branduin. Uh, and founded the Shire. Yeah, yeah you, we all know the Shire. That's where... Yes, we do. We all know the Shire. So after the fall of Fornost and, Ar- and Arnor on Third Age 1945, 
the north-south road was only used seldomly and was referred to as the Greenway by the Bree folk, uh, which um, I'll go into in a little bit. Um, uh, but so even though it, it was um, seldom, it w- the only road was seldomly used, uh, Bree continued to exist uh, with the unknown protection of the rangers of the north. Even at the end of the Third Age, Bree remained relatively prosperous. Um, so... Um, like Grant said, Bree was, uh, Bree is the most westernly settlement of men, um, and from the point of view of the Shire by the time of the War of the Rings, and had a sizable hobbit population, um, and they had men, dwarves, hobbits, like Grant said. Grant already named all this kind of stuff, dude. Wow, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so here we go. These are some fun things that happened in the Third Age at Bree. So on March 15th, Third Age, uh, 2941, Gandalf and Thorin Oakenshield met seemingly by accident at Bree. Um, and so that's where they talked about, like, hey, we got to get this. I, I want to rec- Thorin's like, I want to reclaim what's mine. And Gandalf's like, okay, I'll get the Hobbit, dude. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. So then, um, and from about Third Age, 2953... So just 12 years later, the wizard Saruman began uh, having agents in Bree. Um, so it's stuff is going on in Bree. Right. So then on September 29th of Third Age 3018, Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, Mary Doc Brandybuck, and Peregrine Took arrived in Bree and met Strider at the largest inn in Bree. The largest inn being the Prancing Pony, owned by Barlaman Butterbur. Which I'll also Barman go into. Um, Frodo and his companions returned to Bree on October 28th, third uh, age 3019, the very next year. Um, and after the War of the Ring, at the end of the third age, the North Kingdom of Arnor was reestablished by Aragorn II. And it was probable that Bree became part of Arnor again and became even more prosperous uh, through increased traffic on the Greenway and the East Road. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go more in depth now on the prancing pony and the Greenway, dude. Swing. We all know the prancing pony. If you read the books or seen the movie, you know the prancing right, pony. Right, right, So the prancing pony was an inn located uh, right where the East Road uh, bend bends bends round the foot of Bree Hill, uh, within the dike that stretched around. Watch your profanity. Stretched around town. I cut myself off with this. <laughs> I, know, I was like too excited to hit it <laughs> that I didn't finish the sentence. Good timing, man. Wow. Dude. Uh, the building was three stories tall with many windows. Swing. I like windows, don't you? <laughs> do you like windows? I do. Yeah. yeah. It's the, there's a nothing like a good looking window, you know. Yeah. Are, are windows good looking, or does the window look good, or does the view outside the window look good? Um. Well, I mean, you can have like ornamental windows, like stained glass windows, or I like guess. the window on my front door has like like sort of like prism things. So when the light hits it, it like makes like rainbows. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. But I wonder how much is like with a plain window. I think the view is more important than what the, like the well maybe like the trim around the window. But is that the window itself? No, I don't know. That's a fair point though. Yeah, we can do more window talk sometime. But I'm looking out a window right now behind me, and I think I think that what makes a window is the view. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know, the duality of windows. <laughs> you can't have. A good window can't have a bad view. Right. 
but a bad window can have a good view. Yeah, it can it can be all smudged and gross, and there will still be a nice view outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, but then you get into like you can have a good window that looks at a brick wall because the window is built nice, but it doesn't look good. Okay. This is pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that. Um, so where did I leave off? Oh, so it faced the road and had... Uh, it had many windows. And it's front faced the road, obviously, because that's how businesses work. The front faces the main road. Yeah. Uh, and it had two wings that ran back towards the elevated ground of the hill, such that the rear second floor was at ground level. So it's kind of... It's a retaining wall, dude. Yeah. You just go into there. Boom. It's like kind of like a hobbit hole, but it's above ground. Uh, which is just like a house, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Between the wings was a courtyard that was acce- accessible uh, through the archway. Uh, under the arch, a few steps to th- on the left led to the main door. Above the arch was a lamp that illuminated the sign beneath, which showed a fat pony rearing its nice. hind legs. Nice. P H A T, dude. Yeah. What's? Uh, can you do your best? Swing. Can you do your best pony impression? That's pretty good. You do yours. All right. Uh, let me let me get in the character. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Someone feed me a carrot. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's for both of us. We did a good job. Oh, Finn just tried it, too. Finn, yeah, just Finn shook just shook. Good job. We all did good. Good job, Finn. Give me hey, a handshake. Um, email us your best horse impressions. <laughs> yeah. Send a video <laughs> clip of that. Or sound clip, too. Video or sound or, clip. Yeah, sound clip. That's what I meant. Of your best horse impressions. And we will listen to them. And if they're really good, we'll play them on the podcast. Yeah. If it's really, really good, I'll put it on the soundboard. Yeah. There you go. So please do that. Um, uh, our email will be in the show notes. So, uh, so on the sign behind the fat pony, or under the fat pony, a white-lettered inscription over the door announced The Prancing Pony by Barlamin Butterbur. Nice. Butterbur. In the north wing, uh, there were rooms on the ground floor that had been especially built for hobbit guests uh, because hobbits are different size than men, obviously. Right, right, right. Um, the center of activity was a big common room where drinks were served near a cheery log fire and lanterns were hanging on the roof beams. So just imagine just a uh, fantasy pub. Yeah, A nice basically. cozy fantasy pub. That's ba- what it's like. Basically. Yeah. Swing! I want to go to a fantasy pub. Pretty cool. Be I'm pretty cool. sure they have the prancing, or they have one. They have the green dragon in New in Zealand. Hobbiton. Yeah, yeah, in the Hobbiton set. That'd yeah. be cool. To, I'm pretty sure it's just as cool. Yeah, it's gotta be just as cool. It's yeah. it, Jay. Yeah. It has to be just. Yeah, as cool. it has to yeah. be. Okay, so the prancing pony had been built long before the time of the War of the Ring, um, uh, when the traffic of the road had been much greater. Uh, but despite the diminished number of visitors, the inn had remained an important center of news. Uh, since Bree was at the crossroads of the East Road and the Greenway, uh, which came up the south and went f- onwards to Fornost. Uh, and the inn had been kept by the Butterbur family for generations as a gathering place of men, dwarves, and hobbits. Nice. Uh, both those living in Bree and the Shire. So hobbits would, from the Shire, would come visit it. The Shire's like out the country, and uh, Bree is like the main city. Yeah, pretty much. But don't think big city. It's not the New York of no area door. And it's got like it says a hundred stone houses of men, like I wow. mentioned earlier. So that's let's just figure like if there's like a family in every house, 
That's like an average of like three or four per house, right? Nice. So you've got about, let's just say 400 inhabitants and that's not including the hobbits. And that's probably like another 400 or so. So you got about 800 there. So yeah, it's about like a village of 800. I would say, yep, 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 yep. It's math time. I would say 800 to 1,000 inhabitants in that in that village. Nice. So it's a pretty big village, but not like a city. That's cool, though. Yeah. That's interesting, dude. Thank. Off the dome, Grant. Off the dome. That's just a guess. I mean. <laughs> that goes on for a All right, hold your applause. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, uh, both so yeah so because there's a gathering place for men dwarves and hobbits so uh, uh, one hobbit Tubold Hornblower was one of the Shire hobbits who visited Bree and probably the Prancing Pony where he learned about pipe weed hey. bruh there you oh. go <laughs> <laughs> oh there haven't been very, very many bro moments in this no. episode just accidentally hitting bro just an accidental bro moment oh here's yeah. a bro moment bruh because there's no bro moments oh yeah so around third age, <laughs> 2670, old Toby brought back samples of the plant to the, to the South Farthing where it became a major product of Hobbit agriculture in the center. But the center of art of the art of smoking remained at the old inn. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's for, for some good drink and good smoke. Come to the Prancing Pony. That'd be a good motto. Da-na-na, da-na-na. That was Sports Center, but oh, <laughs> I was like, okay, they probably have sport. If they if it was now, they'd have Sports Center. And yeah, probably they'd probably have like all the like TVs up in the Prancing Pony yeah. in the common rooms. Yeah, it's like a sports bar at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Gandalf met uh, Thorn Oakenshield and Bree. He met him in the Prancing Pony. Prancing Pony, and that's also where all the hobbits met, and then they met Strider. Strider. Yeah, Strider, dude. Swing. Strider. Yeah. So. And that's where they almost get stabbed by the ring wraiths. But they don't, dude. They don't. Yeah. yeah, they don't. So how do you get to Bree? By the Greenway. Yeah. Which I've mentioned before. But so the Greenway is the North Road, also called the North South Road, because if it goes it north, goes, it goes, yeah, south, it goes unless south. Unless it's one way. Um. <laughs> well, it technically still goes south, but traffic only one way. So yeah. The old South Road or later the Greenway by the Bree Folk. Uh, which was part of the Great Road, um, and it was called the Greenway because uh, it didn't get used very much after uh, Tharbad. Yeah, the Great Plague and Tharbad. Yeah, fell. so then yeah. It, it had grew grass on it. They're yeah. like, hey, it's green, and it's the way. And that's also why we included Tharbad into this because without if Tharbad was still around, the Greenway would not be called the Greenway. It would yeah. just be called Way, Way, <laughs> or yeah, North South Road, or just yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier, I'm just going to reiterate this specifically with the Greenway. Uh, In the Third Age, after the division of Arnor into the Three Realms, it became lesser used. Uh, The use of the road virtually ended after the Great Plague in the Long Winter when Tharbad was abandoned. Um, The patch of the road around Breland became overgrown with grass because of the disease uh, and was so-called the Greenway. This is the Greenway. So Boromir took this road, like Grant said earlier, um, crossing Tharbad, but losing his horse. How did he lose his horse? I don't know. <laughs> it was in the fort, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because now that it was all ruins mm-hmm. and there was no bridge there, I think it was very dangerous. Yeah. He either lost it because it died or he went down to take a pee and came back and his horse was uh, gone. Where's my gone. horse? Where's my horse? No! 
That's what he said. Yeah. Um, it is possible that uh, Boromir took that on the way to Rivendell, uh, where then he eventually joined the Fellowship. Yeah. Um, and it is possible that the road was restored after the end of the War of the Ring, but I don't know. I don't know. I would assume it would be. Me too. Yeah. I hope so. And that's what I got. That's oh, all I got. I have something else because I was I was looking it up. Um, Extra info from Grant. Yeah. Swing. I was looking it up uh, when you were talking. Okay. Um, but I the Shire and Bree have unique calendars that are actually very similar yes. to like the Gregorian calendar that we have. Is mm-hmm. that what we have, or do we have the um? No, we're not. On the, we were on the. We we did have Gregorian. What is it now? Oh, what it was the Mayan calendar, right? That's what ended in 2012. No, that was just the Mayans. We didn't use that. But didn't we use the Mayan calendar that end? Or the reason people thought the world was going to end in 2012 because the Mayan calendar calendar ended in 2012. Now we use the American calendar. Hold on, I'm looking. American. So the Gregorian calendar is a calendar used in most parts of the world. It was introduced on February 24 with a papal bowl. I know what that word is. I know it has something to do with like the papacy and the papal, the po- isn't it? Papal. Papal. It could be. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, and went into effect October 1582 by Pope Gregory the Eighth or Thirteenth as a <laughs> modification. Sorry, I thought the, the, is it Roman numerals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's okay, dude. <laughs> um, as a modification of and a replacement for the Julian calendar. So it used to be the Julian calendar, oh, yeah. and now it's the Gregorian. Okay, I got that right. Don't hear it. Um, yeah. So, anyways. The Shire calendar is basically the Gregorian calendar, just has different names and kind of like the months. On steroids. Yeah, the months. I think all the months actually have an even amount of days. Like they're not kind of like back and forth between 30, 31, and then 28. Yeah, what Um, the heck? But I guess the Shire and the Bree, there's a few differences. But the. um, Interesting, because they're pretty close. Yeah, but the Bree calendar. Let me find it, baby. Let me find it for you, baby. So what? So what, the Bree calendar would have had to start first because Bree was founded before the Shire. Yeah. So why didn't the Shire just keep the Bree calendar? Or do they want to differentiate? I think it themselves? was just. I think it was just uh, based on differences in they're, culture. They're too prideful. Um. Yes. Yeah, so the months in the Bree calendar were Freire, which is for, for January. Yeah. Um. Then there was Solmath. Solmath. Which is February. Um. There was. That's r- like that's like soul food. But it's soul, soul meth. meth. Yeah, soul meth. This is it's addictive. It's yeah. soul meth. Uh there was uh wreath, which is March. Wreath. Um there's chithing, which is April. There's thrimage, which is May. There's lithe, which is June. There's mead, which is July. Nice. Wed meth, which is August. Harvest meth, which is September. Um, wintering, which is October, bluting, which is <laughs> Nove- Nove- November, <laughs> and then Yule math, which is December. All the math words Lots that I'm of saying math. are math. Math. All uh, the, all I don't the like math. it anymore. <laughs> uh, all the math words basically mean month in Old English. The heck? Um, I want to know what chithing means. It means chithing. Uh, it it's from the Old English word chithing. Or kithing. <laughs> kithing. <laughs> it sounds like kissing <laughs> with a list. Kithing, which means germinating. <laughs> so it's it's the planting month. Wait, do you know what's interesting? What what's is up? it called? What is it called? Chithing. Chithing. Yeah. I just gave Grant some potatoes to some seed potatoes. If you you put them out in the sun, it's called chitting. C H I T T I N G. That's probably which yeah. is germinating. Yeah. Dang, That's interesting fact. 
Whoa. Whoa. Bruh? Bruh? Uh, that's a bruh. bruh. Yeah, there you that's go. That's a bruh? Yeah, so that's all. I, uh, just something I wanted to add at the hey, end Hey, that. that was nice. That's we got lots of connections out of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's do some trivia. Some trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I almost slipped a wow dude in there by accident. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, I'll yeah. go first. Okay. Are you going to offer for me to go first? I was going to ask who goes first. I do. I'm going to demand you go first. Okay. I'll have to accept. Yeah. Um, uh, this one's pretty easy. Who was Celebrimbor's grandfather and what was he known for? Is it Feanor? Yep. He was known for uh, this, the Oath of the Silmarils. He, he left... Valmore. Yeah, I think Silmarils is just as simple as it gets. Yeah, it's Silmarils, dude. <laughs> you were there, but you just He was known it. for being an elf. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, pretty go much. ahead. Okay, here's an easy one. What was written on the sign of the prancing pony? Um big boys needed. Um no. No. <laughs> uh it was a uh, prancing pony by Barlam and Butterbur. Yeah! Nice, dude. Uh okay. fat pony. Yeah, what were the other three villages close to Bree? Well, is the Shire one? Nope. Oh no. Uh, I don't know. Man. In the second, oh, they there in the third age. Yeah. Um, they mention them in the Fellowship of the Ring, and I read it in the passage, and they mentioned it afterwards. Sorry, man. I was Dang. I was researching. <laughs> Tragic. Um. Okay, one of them has something to do with like um like if you use the bow and arrow you would be considered a archer yeah but then one of the letters is a little different farcher barcher no not at the beginning not at the beginning (laughs) dang i can't oh my gosh i feel like i i remember you saying it but i don't remember what they archet archet i do remember you saying archet and then another one is it's spelled almost the same way but just has an E at the end. But it's something you would use to get the tangles out of your hair. Brochette? Comb chet? No, it's just comb. Comb? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's spelled like it's spelled like comb, but it's just with an oh, E. Oh, I thought end. you were saying it was spelled the same way as Archet, but with an no, E at the end. No. Um and then the other one is what you would use on a horse to ride it, but then there's a T in there. Staddle. <laughs> there you go. Dang, dude, I get no points for that. Yep. I'm not giving absolutely points none for that. Yeah. Okay, here's one. What's this? <laughs> here's one for you. A little bit harder than that, the last one. So when the name of the river Guathlo was changed to or Guathlo was changed to Guathlo, what did the new name mean? Uh, Shadow River of the Fenlands. Yes. It's from the Fenlands. From the Fenlands. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. You got it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one's kind of generic, um, but it's also a little bit of a thinker. Okay. When and why did the Brelanders start speaking in Westeron? When and why? It's, it's like Are you ge- looking for like a specific year? No, not a specific oh. year. It's just a generic answer and a generic event, but it's not something super specific. It's just when and why. They start speaking what? <laughs> start speaking Western. Yeah. Um. Did it have to do with uh the uh um? <coughs> let me see. Well, it would be when the wait the Tharbad was down. Does it have to do anything with the Tharbad? Not really. No. no. Does it have to do with the hobbits? No. Okay. Does it have to do with the men? 
Yeah. Uh, I can't think of the. Give me a hint, dude. Well, think of the different races of men that there were, and what of those men had probably the most skill with languages. The Numenorians. Yeah. Is it when the Numenorians? Would it have to do with the because when the war of the elves and the or would Not, it be after that nothing really to do with that. Okay, I'm struggling. Man. It's I think it's a little more generic than what you're thinking. Is it just when the Numenorians came over? Yep, that's it. Okay, yeah. I was trying to think of a super specific. Yeah, I was being dumb. I know. Sorry, I said, I, wow, I told you it was very generic. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, what do you got? A third one? Disappointed. Um. Okay, so this one, the Swan Fleet, which was that marshy area, was located uh, where these two rivers met. Uh, I know this one. Uh, the Horwell. Yeah! Always make sure your whore is well. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, shoot. <laughs> the... Uh, it's... it's so, okay, so... I had it. The uh the the loud water. The Bruinin. Nope. Yeah. The Bruinin? The Glanduin. Oh the Swan yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, Gray, okay. The Grey Flood comes from the Loud Water. Yeah. And and the Horwell. Yeah. But Swan Fleet comes from Grey Flood and uh Glanduin. Yeah. Okay. Hey, you got one of them right. Oh, I'm, I just mixed the waters up. If these roles were reversed and you did that topic and you asked me that, I would have not gotten it. The waters were all mixed wow, up. dude. Never yeah. mix your waters. There must be something in the water, dude. Must be something in the water, man. I drink it. Um. Okay, so, uh, Jay, what, what is our next segment? Well, I got something quick right before the next segment. Well, um, okay. Some cr- interesting thing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I said it like it. Yeah. So Bree was in um, The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, who was friends with good old Clive Staples Lewis. Um, and C.S. Lewis also wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And um, the, um, the uh, book uh, The Horse and His Boy was released the same year, oh. same year as Lord of the Rings. And um, there's a character in there uh, named Br- Bree. Yeah. Um, is short for Bree he Hini Huhiha. Brinny Huhiha. Yeah. Bree he Hini Brinny Huhiha. Huhiha. Because it's a horse. Yeah. So yeah, that was just interesting that Tolkien or that C.S. Lewis had a character named Bree. I honestly never made that connection, and I read both series every you year. Read both. Uh, hey, let me be honest. I haven't read. The Chronicles of Narnia. I know you have like the or you have that like big yeah. book where it's like all of them in one. I've read C.S. Lewis's like theological stuff, but yeah. I should probably hop into the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia is good, dude. Narnia is good, but you know what else is good? <laughs> Middle Earth current events, dude. Hey. Welcome to. <laughs> You say it, Grant. You got it. Oh, yeah. You did the intro today. Yeah. I'll do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Middle Earth Current Events. Yeah. We're back, dude. Which are current yeah. events on this it's earth pertaining to, to Middle Earth. Booch, booch. Tolkien's own world. Oh, remix, <laughs> baby. Remix. It's a remix um, to Ignition, dude. So I understand that you have a Middle Earth Current Event. Yeah. 
You understand right. I also have one too. Oh, nice. Yeah, Who but you, wants go, to go first? you go first. Okay. I did the intro to it. You go first. Okay, so there's a new butterfly species. What? Say what? <laughs> Named after uh, Sauron. Oh, sick. Oh, what the heck? I saw the pic. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> okay. I saw the picture of it too. Yeah. So, um, it's a butterfly. You guys all know what butterflies look like. And it's brown, has white on it. But then on the bottom two wings, I don't know butterfly uh, and anatomy. Anatomy. So I don't know what the bottom two wings are. If you do, email us the answer with do your horse sound and then say the name of the bottom butterfly wings. Yeah. Um, it's gr- orange. I don't know what's said green. There's no green on this <laughs> butterfly. Orange. Um, and then there's um, a there's some white and brown splotch like hole, not holes, circles. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> there's no holes in the wings. That'd be bad. It's brown s- holes with. Er, <laughs> oh my god. Brown circles with white circles inside of it. Um, and that is why they named it Sauron because it had. They look like eyes. They look the like eye the eyes of Sauron. of Sauron. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, and it's there's two different species of butterflies that have been added to the newly named Sarona, Sarana, S A U R O N A, Sarana oh. genus. Nice. Um, so there's the Sarana triangular and the Sarana arigera. Arigera are the inaugural members of the group, uh, but it is, it is expected that many more species will join them. Uh, it was the name was picked by Doctor Doctor <laughs> Doctor Blanca Huratas. This is for that doctor, oh, dude. Nice. Uh, curator of the butterflies at the Museum of uh, ooh, I don't know where this museum is, dude. Um, but so yeah. Um, so the those two butterflies are not the first creatures to be named after Sauron, though. Sauron's villain's glowing eye has also been referred to the names of a dung beetle. Hmm. No! And frog and dinosaur. Bruh. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting, dude, and it's a nice nod to Tolkien because last year we had a star named after oh, Arendil, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Arendil? Yeah. And now we have Butterfly and Sauron. What's next? I don't know. Swing! <laughs> so thanks for... That's my segment. <laughs> now we're going to move on to... This is Grant's. <laughs> it's Grant's turn. Um, so I didn't really write anything down. I just wrote down the title of what I was gonna say. Off the um, dome. Yeah, because there's not really a bunch of information on it yet. Um, and the source is trust me, bro. Um, Bruh. <laughs> trust me, no, bro. I I saw it from the Instagram page Fellowship of Fans, which are a very reliable source of news for all Schwing. things Tolkien. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, so they mentioned. And I'm pretty sure there was a, some sort of press conference with the cast, some of the cast of uh, the Rings of Power. No! But it was... <laughs> all right. <laughs> it was uh, uh, revealed that Shelob will be in season two of the Rings of Power. Yeah! Let's go. Which Bruh. I think... I mean, we said this last year when the first season was about to come out, like about certain characters. But if they do it right, that's not a bad thing because yeah, Shelob was around in the second age and in Mordor most likely. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. You know, maybe Sauron could meet her for the first time and like act like have her act as his pet and like eat any prisoners he sends her way or something like that. I don't know, but they could do that, you know, then that would be cool. And it would be cool to see like, I guess uh 
this is in air quotes, a familiar character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, end quote. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, but just to kind of see some sort of like um, familiarity between Lord of the Rings and the Rings of Power, I think that could help a little bit. And just mm-hmm. as long as they don't um, overplay Shelob in the narrative, because I mean, she really doesn't have anything to do with anything until the third age. So, yeah. Um, and then as long as they also don't go the um, shadow of war uh, <laughs> video game, Schwing! Route, yeah. which is the uh, <laughs> Shelob. So Shelob, I guess sexy Shelob. Yeah. Is Shelob is. is they, they wanted to make her seem like she was a Maiar, which I guess sort of she is. No. Um, and that she could shapeshift back into like a human form. And she was just this sexy goth woman um, that was kind of portrayed as like Sauron's like girlfriend. One to time, each their know. own, I guess. Um, so as long as they don't go that route, I think it'll be okay. It'd make more sense if she was Morgoth's girlfriend. No, that would be Ungoliant. Oh, I got the two mixed up. Yep. Wow, dude. Man. Hey. No, but remember, you remember in the last, uh, was it the last episode? What what was our last episode? The trees. What was the the one before that, man? What was the one before that? Tell me. Let me pull it up. No, no, it was last episode because I was talking about Yavanna, wasn't I? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that would be last episode. Yeah, um, but I get like like, uh, some of the Valar and like some of the earlier um, drafts of like the Silmarillion had like kids. um, (laughs) And they had kids. Yeah, they had kids and. Uh, Morgoth was one of those Valar who had kids, and his mm-hmm. girlfriend was GF. this Balrog. Balrog, or like she was called an ogress at the time, but it was technically a Balrog, and I can't remember the name because it was something wild. But I guess uh, I guess Morgoth in another time did have a wife. So. Swing. Yeah, yeah. I got. I guess I just thought of something because you talked about the Rings of Power, and I guess I don't. I I care. I care. I'll hold back. Now, why are you booing me? I, <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I practice self-control on that one. I was, I don't have a like a sad sound bite. You do. Oh, I do. Wah, wah. <laughs> I take the boo back and I do this. <laughs> um, All right, there we go. Uh, so, if you don't know, here in America, there's a, uh, I guess specifically Hollywood, there's a writer's strike. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, but the Rings of Power is continued. Uh, continuing to film. And you want to know the reason? What was the reason? <laughs> this is a joke, by the way. The writing is so bad that they felt like they could go on without the writers. Cause, I mean, <laughs> so, so it, it was more of a joke in a sense that I was just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but not like it was a structured joke where it had a punchline. Hey, <laughs> that's okay. So it it might have seemed underwhelming, but the joke is that the writing was bad. Yeah, so the thing with... Um, yeah, that leads into Guys, I swear I'm funny. <laughs> that, I swear. <laughs> that leads into what I was going to talk about with this is so uh with the writer strikes, the whole union stuff. Um yeah. they're not allowed to change since there's no writers on set, they're not allowed to change any of the words written. So there can't be any rewrites, which uh, is a part a big part of while well, they're filming the shows, they can have writers on set and they'll do rewrites because sometimes uh actors or actresses will ad-lib or improvise. I don't know how much they do on Rings of Power, but they can't Probably not a ton. Yeah, so they can't change anything, which means there's no rewrites, which means that they can't fix bad dialogue. And if we know from 
last season that yeah. even with Raiders, they can't fix bad dialogue. <laughs> well, here's I'm a, good. <laughs> that's my least favorite part. Um, I'm gonna try and I, Maddie has still not watched it, and I'm gonna try and watch it again with her just yeah. so she can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're both planning on just absolutely killing it every time. We're just gonna pause it and just laugh at it. Wow, dude. Um, <laughs> But anyways, uh, that, that we're just gonna pause it and laugh at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what if actually the original writing, like the original manuscript for the first season, which has your was, was actually <laughs> manuscript. I just call it a script. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You can call it manuscript. I don't. I wouldn't give it that much praise. Was um, what if it was actually really good and was pretty accurate to the lore? But then the writer, er, like as they were going along the directors and producers wanted to change it so the story made well so the story kind of fanned out the way they wanted to go what if i don't know And now the writers were planning the strike so that once they had it written down in the final script then they went on strike so they Mm -hmm. directors couldn't change it so the whole strike revolves around the rings of power yeah exactly well and i also i know um the house of drag uh, geez house of the dragon the game of thrones The Game of Thrones spinoff. Um, the also prequel. Those, yeah, those writers are on strike as well. Yeah, well, um, yeah. But they had already. Um, I think they were already like in the process of like filming most of it. Anyways, they were like they were almost done with it. Anyways, so it's yeah. not like they had really had anything to change. I guess. But I think the last big writer strike was like oh seven oh eight. Yeah. Um. So this is monumental moment for. And people. you know what? You know what we got in oh eight. The recession. Well, okay. well, in America, the Dark Knight. I'm oh. talking about movies. Oh, because writers. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got the Dark Knight out of that. Dang, dude. Yeah, but not a lot of good TV shows. So uh, not a lot. You guys could be seeing next year when this, these shows that are filming now release the absolute best <laughs> in yeah. The business. Yeah, I mean, because we'll I see. don't. We'll see. We'll see. Because we could either see, or um, we can hear. We could, yeah, we could see or hear how Lord of the Rings was able to, or the Rings of Power was able to overcome the writer strike, or we could see how it led to its downfall. Yeah, how it could possibly be worse than last season's writing. Yeah. Hey, at least they wrote in English. Yeah. I'll give so, them that. so the Rings of Power season one came out September twenty twenty two. Um, no what? release, no release date is announced yet for season two, um, but they are midway through filming as of May, 2023 key cast to return. New cast members have been revealed. Season two character identities and storylines leaked. I don't know what those leaks are. Maybe we'll do that in the next episode. Um, trio of female directors helming season two. Yes. Swing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Dude. (laughs) I hope we get a scene with Sauron saying, I am bad. (laughs) That would be hilarious. That would be awesome. And I believe it can happen with these powerhouse female directors. Um, (laughs) Wow. uh, This series might start. (laughs) (laughs) This headline cracks me up. Say it, dude. The series might start following Tolkien's lore more closely. No! 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 (laughs) That is not promising. That's bad, dude. The series... Yeah, the series might start following it more closely. I don't know. Um, 
Season 2 is expected to be darker than its predecessor, and plans for Season 3 already in the pipeline. Dang, we need more angsty Lord of the Rings. You know, just because it's darker, just because something's dark and gritty doesn't mean it's good. I'm just putting that out there. Um, (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm just reading stuff. Uh, Speaking about a potential release window, Amazon Studios co-head Jennifer Selk told Esquire, everyone wants to get season two out into the world as soon as we can. Don't do that. Take your time on it. However, Vernon <laughs> Sanders, Salk's fellow co-head, also told Collider it was more unlikely than likely that it'll, <laughs> than likely <laughs> that it'll arrive in 2023. So we'll probably get like an early 2024. I'd rather wait more years and get good, gooder, gooder yeah. show than get it now and get badder. Show. So if I had to guess, it'd probably be like spring of 2024. Um, yeah, we can expect to see Sauron, Galadriel, Elrond. Uh, Gilgalad, Celebrimbor, um, Arondir, Bronwyn, Theo, uh, Miriel, Elendil, Isildur, Aarian, Farazone, Kemen, Prince Durin the Fourth, Princess Disa, uh, Nori, Disa. Brandyfoot, Largo, Brandyfoot, Marigold, Brandyfoot, Poppy, Proudfellow, and the Stranger. No. Meanwhile, <laughs> Lenny Henry's Sadak Burrows and and the mystics won't be back. Sadok died in episode eight after he was fatally injured. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, after he was fatally injured during a battle between the stranger, Harfoots, and the mystics, the latter being destroyed by the stranger during the same fight when he said, I am good. No! <laughs> Bruh. That was a bra moment yeah. when he said, I am good. Um, Are you really, though? What if he turns out to be bad? What a twist. No one twist. What a twist. What a um, we're getting some more characters, some from the Sandman, get more Game of Thrones characters <laughs> that are going to be... No, they're just Wait. acting. Like oh, the I was actors. like, are we, are we moving away from Middle-Earth current events? Into yeah. Uh, oh, there's an actor from Harry Potter that's going to be in it. Is it Daniel Radcliffe? Yeah. No, it's <laughs> uh, it's Kieran Hines. Mm. Let, me, let me look this person up. Let's see if I recognize him. Grant's looking him up. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an older man. <laughs> Was he a professor? Swing. Why am I not recognizing this? Oh, he played Aberforth, uh, Albus Dumbledore's brother. Dumbledore. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Um, yes. Yeah, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so. Oh. Auntie, Auntie. Yeah, thanks for listening. And guess what our next episode is? What? Episode 50. Oh, bruh. (laughs) Oh, hey. That was weird. Um, Swing. uh, As of right now, Jay and I have no clue what we're going to do for episode 50 uh, to make it more special. Um, Perhaps we'll have a guest. Or do it naked. Or do it naked. And you guys will will just understand that we're naked. We'll leave nothing up to the imagination, but you'll have to imagine it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I don't know what we'll do to make it special. Perhaps we'll have a guest. Perhaps we'll do some more trivia. Um, perhaps we'll do something more than just talking about Tolkien. Maybe we'll do some. Maybe we'll talk about the podcast. Yeah, it'll be a very meta fiftieth episode. Yeah. We'll do podcast um, about this podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I guess we'll decide. Maybe we'll do a small topic and then some more like kind of fun things like trivia and current events. But that, just doing a podcast. Like we so doing the podcast episode like we do where like we do now where we talk about things that happen in Middle Earth and stuff. Yeah. But about this podcast would be fun. 
<laughs> funny. Funny. Okay. In uh, regu- what age are we in in real Earth? I guess it'd be. Fourth I'm age. 22. In <laughs> in in fourth age. I think 2019. It, yeah, I think actually. Or no, it'll be 2021. I think or 2020. We started it. Yeah. Wait, really? Let's no, see. 2021. Let's see. It's gotta be 2021. Yeah, July 2021. Mobby. Yeah, because it was like shortly after I got married. Oh wow, well, wow, dude. Here. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, speaking dun, of dun, dun, speaking dun, of getting married, dun, 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 dun. Jay. Huh? Speaking of getting married. What? I have a proposal. Oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, you're getting <laughs> you're getting married in July. Yes, I am. Yeah. Bruh. Um, I want to say congrats, but I feel like you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I just feel like maybe you don't deserve it quite. Oh, yet because you haven't actually gotten married, so no. Um, I'll take what I can get. I guess congrats on like planning and everything. Yeah, I'm um, getting engaged and getting engaged, and yes. you know, just I guess the steps necessary to get. Swing. Yeah. Okay, well, everybody. We'll see you guys. We'll see next you week on our fiftieth episode. The big five zero. The big five zero. But until then, keep it going. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Until then, keep exploring Middle Earth. Middle Earth. Bye. <laughs>